Welcome to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series, Paths to On-Farm Excellence, where we discuss priority topics for Canadian dairy farmers. My name's Stephen Roach. I'm the director and principal consultant for an animal health research consulting firm called Acer Consulting, which is based in Guelph, Ontario. I'm part of a team that's working with the Dairy Farmers of Canada to help showcase Canadian dairy farming stories, industry updates, and the latest science, advice, and perspectives on high-priority topics that relate to ProAction. You'll find this channel features a number of different series, from animal care to biosecurity and beyond. This podcast series features conversations with farmers, veterinarians, nutritionists, hoof trimmers, and other farm advisors, researchers, and many other industry stakeholders. Our next discussion takes place with Jamie Sullivan, a hoof trimmer from Manitoba and owner of Rippleview Hoof Care. I sat down with Jamie to discuss his perspectives on what producers can do to get on the path to zero lameness. He discusses the importance of good record keeping to help benchmark and achieve goals, as well as what producers can do to make hoof trimming convenient and safe for everyone so that early intervention is possible. So, let's jump in. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie. It's uh, it's exciting to be able to chat with you and uh, and learn a little bit more about your perspectives on lameness and uh, and hoof health specifically. Yeah, Steve. Uh, yeah, thanks for the call. I was kind of excited for the opportunity, and I think uh, this is a really neat way to talk about lameness and just bring awareness and and some options of uh, where we can improve on that. So. Your name, I think, for many is going to be um, is one that they've heard before uh, because you're quite active on social media. I think you've got a, a a really a great following when it comes to talking about lameness and, and proactive approaches to managing it. But for those that might not have a full sense of of who you are and where you are, Jamie, can you give us a little bit of your background as it uh, relates to to lameness in the Canadian dairy industry? Oh uh, yeah, so I'm a hoof trimmer in uh, Manitoba, based out of Carmen, just a small town outside of Winnipeg. I uh, actually uh, originally grew up and was born in Ontario and where I started my trimming business uh, back in 1994. Uh, so been in that uh, just over 25 years. Uh, ended up in Manitoba um, kind of mainly because that's where my wife was from and where we ended up moving here. But uh, another opportunity, I kind of went trimming part-time a little bit and was a sales manager for Health and genetics, and uh, initially in Ontario, and then they needed a spot out of Manitoba. So um, where my wife was from, I kind of fell in love with out west and moved out to Manitoba because of the sales manager's job with health and genetics, and then uh, eventually got uh, trimmed part-time the whole time um, when I did go as a sales manager, but eventually my passion was uh, both health and lameness and went back into trimming full-time in Manitoba uh, back in the early Two thousand. So um, most of my life has been trimming feet, and I uh, learned a lot as a sales manager how to help uh, farmers, and probably strengthen my trimming business where I am now. And got quite involved with the Hoof Trimmers Association and some researchers, and just like our industry. When I first started, it was mainly tie stall cows and trimming for shows and classifiers, and uh, you know a lot of cows were pasture based in the summer yet. And now most of my clients are either uh, monthly or weekly, and Probably close to 60% cows are milked in robots and probably 75-80% of the cows I trim are 
milk through robots. So the majority of my work is done with robots. Mm-hmm. And the computer on my chute is probably just as important as the knife in my hand to uh, help improve health with my clients. So. No kidding. What what a change over, uh, you know, it, it's a long career um, and, and excited to get a, a bit of a sense for some of the uh, insights and experiences you've had, but uh, pretty amazing that over 25 years, how much the industry has changed. Yeah. And it's, uh, as I say, technology and research, it's helped us a lot. And actually, I was just talking with uh, a group of people not that long ago, but when I first started, we always said lameness was kind of 25, 30% on an industry average. And we're still sitting at 25, 30%. So I know our cows, we kind of demand a lot more out of them, but uh, you look like, man, we haven't actually seen a lot of improvement on lameness, even though we know a lot more on the cause and the risk factors and how to improve. We, we still are kind of sitting at that threshold. So, yeah. So we still got work to do. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's why I say it's kind of exciting to have some of these podcasts and proaction and some of the things that dairy farmers in Canada are doing, I think is going to help us start to, change that and lower that number quite considerably i think right well so so let's jump into that so um you know part of this podcast and the conversations we're having with a variety of people is to not just get a sense of of what we can do about lameness but try and uncover a little bit more about why well why we haven't seen that 25 or 30 percent change all that much and of course lameness is caused by a whole host of different factors but at the core of the issue really is is hoof health and so, um, Jamie, from a trimmer's perspective, talk to me about lameness. What do you see out there? What are you uh, experiencing or, hand, or dealing with most when it, most when it comes to conditions? Um, basically, it's, uh, we kind of got to break lameness down into two categories. One is, you know, the, effects, the infectious lesions like digital dermatitis, foot rot, uh, interdigital dermatitis, which is basically... Digital dermatitis has uh, a few names like carry warts, strawberry, uh, strawberry warts, and, and even the interdigital dermatitis is basically just the same as that typical kind of heel wart we see. Right. And those, those lameness issues are more of kind of a hygiene in that aspect. And then there's the non-infectious lesions, which mainly are sole ulcers and white line disease. So uh, when we look at lameness, it seems like a big kind of you know, where do I start? But it really breaks down even some of the research that we've done. It breaks down to, you know, hairy warts, uh, digital dermatitis is number one, almost 40% of the cause of lameness. And uh, then it's soul ulcers and white line disease. So it's, once you start breaking it down, then you can, you know, kind of come up with a game plan and where do we need to come up with protocols and set things up. So, mm-hmm. so, um, you, you, I like that breakdown, and and of course, you know, infectious um, lameness tends to be a, a, a big conversation, especially from that trimmer's perspective. What do you see as some of the biggest culprits, or uh, put another way, risk factors for some of those uh, specific uh, issues you just mentioned? Um, and as far as just on the infectious side of the disease, sure. Or why not? Why don't we just open it up and, and do both? Yeah. So I think the main thing is a cow doesn't come, you know. A herd isn't 0% lameness, and then, you know, tomorrow it's at 30%. So I do have some sympathy for the farmers because it's, you know, how do you have 30 40%? And not that everyone has that in your herds, but it's a gradual process. And when you're working with the cows every single day, you may not kind of see that early lameness case until it's, you know, it's an obvious case. Um, and then it's, as we say, there's so many risk factors. It's kind of, okay, where do I start? Where did this happen? And a lot of time when a herd uh, does come into a higher lameness, it's usually when you get it under control and you kind of trace it back, 
it usually comes down to, you know, either an expansion or some kind of big speed bump in the day-to-day operations, which kind of took your attention away from mm-hmm. some details. And then, um, from the time you realize there's a problem, it, it's a big problem. And then it's like, okay, well, where do we backtrack and get this back under control? So what is it about hooves and the farm environment that make this such an issue? Why, why is it so easy for, for things to, to get out of control if we're not sort of keeping on, on top of things? I think the main thing, even if we go back to my career, like when, we, when I said I first started, it was mainly, you know, I followed the, before the classifier and trimmed up the feet and, uh, you know, it's kind of whole herd trims or getting them ready for shows. And a lot mm-hmm. of times they're out on pasture, which is, you know, that the natural environment for the cows. So if, if the foot does get a little bit out of balance and she's walking on natural ground, well, the ground's got a bit of give and she doesn't have to have that per- foot perfectly balanced to stay healthy. But when we bring them indoors, which in the long-term benefit for the cows, when we can control the, you know, the environment factors as far as, you know, heat stress and all that kind of stuff and bugs, it's actually better for the cow, but she's walking on a hard surface. So it doesn't take much for that foot to get out of balance before she becomes lame. Something that I use the analogy, if we have a bit of a stone in our shoe, we can walk for a while and even kind of almost hide that symptom that I got something in my shoe bothering me. And then, but if we did that day in and day out and walking on concrete, then, you know, I'm eventually going to start having knee problems or hip problems or a foot problem or a bruised heel, or that's what our cows are doing every single day. So, Mm -hmm. And it can just, uh, it just gets, you know, well, it can worsen pretty considerably pretty fast if we don't do anything about it, I suppose. Yes, exactly. So what are some of the most frustrating aspects of lameness from your perspective? You mentioned that we, you know, all this time, um, you know, over your career, you know, we've talked about lameness, we've, we've identified it as an issue, um, you know, what is it that we're not focusing enough on it on farm or um, are we doing things and we're still not seeing the results? And, and is that where the frustration lies? Yeah, I think a little, as coming from a trimmer perspective and uh, hoping when I, we finish this podcast, I think it's not, you know, I'm going to say, I don't think we take lameness as much as a priority. I don't want to say that it's in a negative way that our, our farms don't care about lameness because I don't, I, I know I don't have a farmer that, you know, it doesn't care if there's a lame cow, sure. but it's, it's taking that priority. And our farmers are busy. We usually don't have an excess amount of help. And to use a bit of an analogy, um, it was a large client of mine uh, that was very progressive, very well managed. And uh, we kind of got, to, we had a bit of a, a heel wart digital dermatitis problem, which we got under control pretty decent. And then all of a sudden we started to see a flare up again. And um, I kind of say, hey, what's going on here? We have to get these foot baths working again properly the way we had. And, and the, the farmer came where in the discussion said, you know, Jamie, you come here and you just have hoof health lameness on your mind. But, you know, as a farm, they have to deal with lameness, they have to deal with employees, they have to deal with, you know, other health issues. And they were, they were a little short of help. They were having, you know, some cell count problems, and that's where the focus was. And in the meantime, you know, some of the employees kind of blacked off a little bit on foot baths. So, he said they, you know, they address the somatic cell problems, and now they're focusing back on to the hoof health and the foot baths and stuff like that. So, I think as trimmers and advisors, we do have to realize, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on the farm. So, how can we make it easier for our farmers that when you know another issue comes up, that there's 
you know, we don't slack off in another part of the area mm-hmm. you know, as far as lameness and stuff like that. I really like that that comment because it's so easy for advisors or really other farmers even, you know, whoever's coming on to that farm. Uh, it's so easy to sort of pick out, here's the things that need to be changed or need to be improved. And it's, you know, again, so easy to to overlook all of the other things that, that are maybe going right or all of the effort that's being put into managing so many things right. And yeah, there's only so many times so much time in a day and trying to manage every one thing it can be a real challenge uh yeah and that then that and it was a pleasant comment it wasn't that the you know my client was upset that i was dressing about foot bath mm-hmm. and it, it's just a comment that's you know stuck with me ever since that you know if i see a problem i can't just say hey what are you doing wrong here we got to fix this it's like okay there's a problem here how can what advice can i give my client that'll make life easier so you know, we, we do address this problem and it doesn't happen again. Yep. And, and how can you fit that into an already overloaded schedule that, you know, is, is wrought full of habits and routine that, you know, are there for a reason? Yes, exactly. So what do you feel are some of the best practices for treatment treatment and control of lameness? So we've got an issue, you're going into the farm and, you, and, and you're talking to your client and we're saying, okay, how do we get things under control if it's a, di- a digital dermatitis issue? Um, you know, what are some of the things we're looking at from that standpoint? Okay, so we take a digital dermatitis just kind of as an example. And, and as I say, now with the computers, it's easy to, you know, kind of track this or see a trend that's gradually increasing before it's a big problem. So if it is digital dermatitis, then we basically know it's kind of a hygiene and a preventive thing. So I, I always, when I talk about lameness more and more, I'm trying to compare it to mastitis. So if we're in a parlor and um, or a robot and the robot says, you know, you know, we're seeing a increase in somatic cell or they're pre-stripping and we're seeing mastitis um, on the floor of the parlor, then we don't wait till tomorrow or the next day to, to treat that mastitis. We do it that day. And we don't treat mastitis by just dipping your extra when we take, you know, the milker off. We actually have a, a treatment protocol with our vets of, you know, putting in the proper antibiotics and withholding. And I think we we need to start doing that with lameness. If we see a cow that's in the parlor and uh, there's a wart, you know, most of the cows just leave that parlor and, you know, and run them through a foot bath or, oh, we got to start increasing our foot baths, which we do if we're seeing an increase. And digital dermatitis, but that wart that we see, it's like mastitis. It, it actually shouldn't even be going through the foot bath. We should be treating it with a proper protocol that we've set up with your trimmer in your bed and treat that lesion. And then, okay, now that we're seeing an increase in lesions, you know, do we need a foot bath more? Or, you know, what's the concentrations? Is the foot bath level right as far as volume? Um, you know, has there been a scraper issue? And that's why the hygiene's not as good. So it's, it's a matter of treating the lameness that we see as far as that wart with a proper protocol, and then you know how do we, how do we prevent it? Mm-hmm. And as far as digital dermatitis, I I actually put out there as a goal um, either you know no more than one ulcerated lesion per hundred cows per month, or you know if you're okay with or your whatever your management is, and you're treating one cow a month for for mastitis. We really shouldn't accept seeing any more than one. Um, ulcerated or painful DD lesion a month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good point. Does Does anything that you've just said change for some of the other types uh, or causes of lameness? No, and it's still the same thing. As I say, if, so if we go over to the non-infectious, um, you know, it's more of a, an environmental issue. Um, so if it's uh, soil ulcers, soil ulcers is kind of a standing issue is what we're, uh, we're finding. So if, uh, as I say, three lesions are digital dermatitis, and then it's usually... 
um, one or two. It's either your farm has an increased number of soils which is causing your lameness, or it's white Lyme disease. You're going to have a bit of both. But if your majority um, non-infectious lameness lesion is soils, then we got to start looking at cow comfort. Are cows laying down that, you know, 11, 12, 13 hours a day that mm-hmm. we know they need to be healthy? And if it's a white line issue, um, then we got to look at trauma issues. Is there some slipping going on? Are we, you know, are we uh, handling our cows a little too fast? Do we need to work on some cattle handling? Uh, is there some broken concrete or broken slats where they're, you know, they're causing a trauma issue on that outside protective wall on the hoof and coming up with white line abscesses? Mm-hmm. So, as a broad sort of recommendation, when and, and how often should producers be getting a trimmer in to, to look at some of these things? Uh, it's kind of a farm-by-farm farm basis. And as I say, we, we brought a cow in off pasture, a natural environment, and now she's on hard concrete or um, some farms have rubber. But, you know, we don't necessarily want rubber everywhere. It's just to kind of prevent lameness because, as I say, we don't want our cows standing. We want our cows to, to be in the power milking or to the robot milking, to the feed bunk. And then we want her laying down for you know, minimum 12 hours a day. And a lot of times if my clients have rubber everywhere, which we think, well, we're going to try and bring that comfort back in as far as standing on soft rubber instead of concrete. And it, it actually sometimes increases or a lot of times increases lameness because she is going to stand on that rubber longer because it is more comfortable than concrete, but we don't want her standing. We want her laying down. Mm-hmm. And especially if the stalls aren't perfectly measured for that cow and she's going to get banged, I got to bang my cow thing. I got to bang my hips and everything to get down into that stall. I'm going to stand on this comfortable rubber a little longer before I lay down. Yep. So it kind of depends on where, but sort of where I start with most of my clients um, is that we want to pretty uh, trim our heifers before calving at least six to nine weeks, um, if possible, just to re- get that foot in shape before she comes into that concrete. Because remember, a heifer is um, when she comes into calving, she comes through that first calving. We know transition does, uh, it's fairly stressful on any animal, but especially a first lactation animal. And then she's got to go compete with a bunch of other cows and, uh, you know, find her pecking order. So if her foot's in balance, we already know we're going to stress her out. So if we can do those heifers before they calve, get that foot in proper shape, um, it's basically getting on a good set of running shoes before you start running in a marathon, then she's going to, we're going to prevent some of that lameness. And then after that, um, once they're in that lactating herd, I like to start at 80 days of milk for their first trim. Before they get into that real peak production, just make sure there's no issues, get that foot rebalanced, and then uh, and then do a trim before dry off. And, and actually, before you dry them off, so not you dry them off, and then you put them into their, your dry off pen and then bring them back again for a trim. It's nice to, if we can prevent the, as many movements as we can once they're dry, so when they go into that holiday period, they just have to take their break and, and put all their efforts into growing the calf and getting into another productive lactation. So if we switch over to, and we've already kind of addressed some of these, but if we really look into uh, how we prevent these lame, uh, these conditions that we've been talking about, what um, what then is the advice, Jamie? Where how, how do we change our mindset from a preventative perspective? I think especially as our herds are getting larger, I, um, I would say my average... Herd size now is, you know, probably trimming more cows or herds that are milking three, four, five hundred, getting up to a thousand cows. Um, so we really need to prioritize our, I call them trim slots. Most trimmers, I think um, we can capably trim about 50 cows a day uh, and do a real good job from, you know, the first cow into the chute to your last cow in the chute. So as I say, we really need to prioritize those trim slots. So 
Um, I think a lot of times, especially if we get into a higher lameness and, and we do, we have to take care of those lame cows, but I deal a lot of time with real chronic cows that have, uh, have had a severe lameness issue and there's some permanent structural damage that we're never going to get 100% sound. We're spending a lot of effort on those and then we start missing some routines and preventative trims like those pre-fresh heifer trims mm-hmm. or those 80 days of milk trims. And it's and that's why we fall behind. And there's actually been kind of accidentally through some research projects that we don't necessarily we, we have a lameness issue when we have thirty percent lameness is a high number, a number we have to improve. But if you take out the lame cows out of those thirty percent, that's a new lame case. have never been lamed before in their lactation or previous lactation. A lot of times we're actually only down to five or ten percent new lame cases. And I'm doing more and more uh, when I'm trimming that I'm blocking those severe hemorrhages or early ulcers because we know if we leave it any longer, there's actually going to be the pedal bone actually changes, actually basically kind of gets bone spurs on it and some bone grows. Mm-hmm. Then we have a, a sharp pedal bone that's causing damage from the inside, and then we have the outside factors. So if we can start doing more preventative trimming, um, putting blocks on those severe hemorrhages and early ulcers, um, talk to you read about uh, uh, also administering anti-inflammatories at that time. Um, if you think of it, when there's pain or a lesion in a foot, you get inflammation. And it's very similar if, uh, if you have a concussion and basically your brain is swelling and you got a your hard skull around it. If you have a soles or a white line and inflammation, and you have that hard hook wall. We have inflammation there and there's nowhere for it to go. So if you can get the lesion trimmed out, get a block on it to give that um, infected claw some rest and then some anti-inflammatories so the inflammation doesn't last too long, um, then we're going to prevent that permanent damage to the pedal bone. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting too. I mean, it it speaks to how important it is to address these early cases or these first cases uh, because if we can can correct that, um, we really prevent changes to the actual hoof itself, um, which I'm sure is going to increase the risk of of having uh, issues down the line. Yes. And it, there's one that I've been um, probably doing this for a good couple of years um, through some, you know, lameness symposiums. We first started talking about, you know, we got to start treating these um, lesions earlier than what we are and treating them aggressively with blocks earlier than we have been. Um, I, I have a progressive large herd that we started doing that, and we really don't see those, you know, typical what people call, you know, when you see the ulcers and there's some more delicate procedures to trim out the ulcers of the white lines. We really don't see that. And they've actually just gone through an expansion with, uh, that got delayed, which usually happens. And we get into some overcrowding, which normally would see a huge spike in lameness. But since we've been aggressively doing routine trims and putting blocks in those early um, hemorrhages or severe hemorrhages and soul ulcers that we're not seeing those chronic lane cows, that most of the blocks that I'm putting on when I'm trimming they didn't come to my trim shoot because they were lame or noticeably lame by the farm staff. They were just on that, you know, first lactation, 80 day, that's their trim protocol. And she came in and I trimmed her and there's a severe hemorrhage and we put a block on her and she just, there's no dip in production. And we've taken care of the lesion and she's walked along and, you know, there's no permanent damage. She's not going to come back later lactation or most likely next lactation with a, with a lameness event. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really start lowering those, those numbers and lameness in the herd. Right. So you, you often talk about, and, and I see a lot of your posts on social media talking about the path to zero lameness. Is zero lameness achievable? 
Uh, I'd say definitely yes. Um, if you asked me 15 years ago if I would have a herd that's averaging 45 kilograms on 900 cows, I would say that's impossible, and I think zero lameness is possible. Now, does zero lameness mean that we're never going to ha have a cow limping in our herd? No, no, that's unrealistic, but I think we should be able to have more days where there is not new lame case that we need to identify that, uh, you know, a cow comes up lame, just like a cow comes up with mastitis, we treat her immediately. And that lameness event does not last that long. But, you know, basically, um, either we catch it before she's very noticeably lame, like she's probably feeling a little bit of lameness, but she's not, you know, that locomotion, you know, three, definitely not locomotion four. Um, yeah, we're actually treating before they're physically lame and, and seeing that loss in production and like seeing that loss in profitability. So, Yes, I definitely think zero lanes. I don't care if you have 10 cows or 1,000 cows. It is definitely a goal that we can achieve. Mm -hmm. So given that, how can producers, how can people listening right now work uh, with their trimmer to set themselves up for success? So, so in other words, as a trimmer, what would you like to see your clients uh, or what, some, what are some of your clients doing to really improve or enhance um, your relationship and your ability to help them achieve that, that uh, path to zero lameness? Um, I think the first step is my best clients are ones that don't accept lameness. A lot of times my clients have phoned in the biggest panic said, Oh, you got to get here as quick as you can. I got a lame cow. When I get there, it's like, it's, it's that early lesion. It's ones that most, a lot of people may not even noticeably see that they're lame just because I say we all have busy schedules and especially the farm staff and as they're, you know, going to the barn cause they got to, you know, go feed the cows or, you know, it was a trying harvest out here in Manitoba this year and they got to get out to the field. So you're going to the barn rather quickly and you don't see that mild lame case. My farmers that are close to that zero lameness or at that zero lameness more days than not, they notice those cows and you get them treated right away. So, and my progressive clients are a lot of them, even if I think every farm needs to have a, I call them a first responder, someone on farm that can treat that lame cow in between your trimmer visits. Uh, but even if not, I think every farm should have some kind of trim shoot, you know, on your size and how much trimming you want to do on your own depends on how elaborate of a trim shoot that is. But I can trim at a, my regular clients during the day and have another client phone me and say, I have a lame cow. And I have to wash and disinfect my chute, uh, set up my chute, trim the cow, take my chute down, set up down, and rewash it again and get home. It's, it's probably not going to happen. It's not feasible. I can't provide that service, you know, probably at an affordable rate. But I can stop in on a farm that has a farm chute on my way home from my regular client and trim a lane cow. Um, you know, in 10, 15 minutes, we can have her looked after. Um, and back on the road and I get home and the farmer goes on to their own business. So I think we really need to look at, you know, how can we either have on-farm staff or provide a quick, easy way that your trimmer or your vet can come in and deal with those lame cows in between your regular trim visit. I think, uh, I think your trimmer appointment, if it's monthly, you know, every two weeks or weekly, it really needs to be on those routines that, you know, 20, 30, 50% of your day, your trimmer's there on his weekly or biweekly appointment is dealing with lame cows, then yeah, we're not going to get to, you know, below what our industry average is now. Right. Yep. And so one thing you've mentioned a couple of times, Jamie, and I, I thought I'd just sort of bring it up is, is record keeping and, and, 
establishing benchmarks in your even within your own farm that really help you to one get a sense of where you're at and two track progress um, and maybe a set goals with your advisors to help manage that um, I know you do this quite a bit can you give us a sense of, of how that has really aided in a tool because we really you know with proaction with many other uh, programs, record keeping protocols is a huge component. And, and there's a lot of um, moaning and groaning about needing to do some of these things because it's more paperwork. But, you know, there there many of these things are in place for, for an important reason because they can offer a lot of value when it comes to making decisions and setting goals. Um, what's your perspective with there and, and what's your recommendation for your clients when it comes to, to record keeping? Yeah, I, I really believe I've had a computer system on my trim chute. I think it's been since about 2008. Um, I use host supervisor. There's um, a variety of different ones out there now. Um, and, and the nice thing it's more and more just recently host supervisor can now interface with dairy comp. Right. So it's one thing for my host supervisor to be able to print off a report, but it's like anything else. Like most office desks have a whole lot of paperwork and most farms now have some kind of farm management system and more and more mice, Host supervisor system and most, I think, other systems, if they're not, they, they will be or should be in the future that we can interface so that can quick, quickly go back into the farm management system whenever they're using it. If it's dairy comp or, you know, there's a handful or more different kind of management systems out there so that it's, you don't have to shuffle through a whole bunch of papers to see where your issue is. You can quickly pull up some graphs or dynamics or pens where the issue is. If saying you have a lame cow is like me going to the doctor and saying I'm sick, give me something to make me feel better. We have to know what that lameness is. Is it a soul ulcer? Is it a digital dermatitis? Um, is it a white line? Is it thin soles? Because um, we we can't come up with a protocol to fix the lameness problem if we're just saying it's a lame cow. We have to figure out what what is that lame cow. Right. Um, no different. If I go to the doctor and say I'm sick, give me something. Well, do I have a flu or do I have bacteria? Is it common cold it's uh you know maybe it's something more serious than that so we got to look at it that way too so without records it's pretty tough especially the the way our herds are getting bigger and bigger to come up with protocols and then once you come up with a protocol you need some kind of number to measure from so for at this point we change this to see where it's changed if we can't measure that accurately how are we going to know if we're making improvement or not mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially because some of the changes and the improvements we might get from those changes don't occur overnight right yes exactly so it, it, sort of just wrapping up here jamie what would be your one piece of advice for canadian farmers who are listening um what would you like them to know or to think about uh as they approach lameness on their farms um i guess first thing i would say is make it a priority um you know, make it a, set that goal of zero lameness. Or if you're at, you know, I don't care if you're at 50% lameness and you identify that, you know, half my herd that is some kind of lameness event right now. And two months, I want that down to 40% or 30%. Um, and then you, so you set that goal and then you make a plan and you take action. And I think it's important too that, you know, you don't change five different things at once because then you're not sure really what's what was it that was causing that? Um, so I think the big thing is make it a priority. Um, treat lameness like you do mastitis. Don't, oh, this cow is a wart today. Go into a parlor. Let's put her on the list because Amy's coming to trim here in two weeks. Make sure we get her in the trim shoe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's take action today. Either have farm staff trained to do that or have some kind of facility that you can quickly call your vet or trimmer to take care of that cow today. 
And on the flip side, for advisors who are listening, other trimmers, veterinarians, and so on, any comments uh, for them? Um, I'm going to say the same thing. Take action. Like, even though you're the nutritionist or the farm vet or you're the equipment salesman servicing the robots, we all, none of us can be successful if, if there's lame cows in that barn. So if you see lame cows, you know, mention it to the farmer, find out who the trimmer is, um, you know, start a conversation and just, Hey, have you noticed there's, you know, maybe a few more lane cows than there was two months ago if I wasn't there? Because we've got to remember, too, our farmers are in the farm every day. So sometimes they don't notice those cows that are gradually getting lame. And it's good to have that independent set of eyes that don't see those cows every day. That, hey, I was here two months ago servicing your robots, and, you know, your best cows list is way up. And, you know, if I start looking around, you see some more lane cows. So, you know, make that contact with the trimmer. Uh, your vet and your trimmer, your nutritionist, they should uh, all be connected either through WhatsApp or text messaging. Um, and then sit down with the team and say, because a lot of times, too, the nutritionist comes in, sees some lameness issue and says, you know, Farmer Joe, you should do this to get this under control. And then the vet comes in for herd health. Hey, you seem to have some more lame cows. You should be maybe doing this to look after that. And then the trimmer comes in on his trim visit says, man, I'm putting a lot more blocks on. You need to do this. And we probably just gave that farmer three different pieces of advice. And he's got to get out and get hay done. And he's got, you know, he's going to go get hay done because he doesn't know which direction to go. So mm-hmm. if we sit down as a team and come up, okay, this is where the priority is. And we may have to give a bit of give and take as advisors, which one I think is first priority. And let's look after that first. Let's come up with a game plan for a common client and then, see where we go from there and then we'll address the other steps as we see improvement mm-hmm. good yeah good advice keep it simple and uh and try and get everyone on the same page yes exactly great well jamie thanks very much for uh for taking the time to chat with us uh quite a bit of uh of advice there and, and some good insights that i hope our our listeners will be able to take and take home and uh, apply either in conversations they have with their staff or their advisors and and uh, and maybe change a little bit of their mindset as they look towards uh you know preventing and treating and controlling lameness on their farms moving forward yes thanks Stephen. yeah just uh, a final day if you do have lameness it's uh, uh it is quite it, as i say gradually you come into a higher lameness, and once you take control of it, it's actually quite amazing a lot of times how quickly we can turn that around, and it's basically just stopping the snowball going down the hill one direction and getting it going the other way. And once you get uh, your, your lameness under control and get protocols up, it's actually – trim day isn't a stressful day anymore. It's actually pretty pleasant for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, thanks again, Jamie. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for listening to the Dairy Farmers of Canada's ProAction podcast series. The focus of this project is to try and help Canadian dairy producers make informed decisions about animal care on their farms and support them in striving for continuous improvement. For more information, please visit the Dairy Farmer of Canada website, dairyfarmers.ca, and don't forget to like and subscribe for more content. This podcast was narrated, edited, and produced by me, Stephen Roach. Thank you to our guests and to you for listening. The project is hosted by the Dairy Farmers of Canada and partly funded by the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a five-year federal, provincial, territorial initiative. Thanks for listening.